Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Yes, the Women in Tech podcast Puma Collection is now live and available at shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Make sure to send us a confirmation of your order because we have something extra special, a little surprise for you. Reach out to us on any of the social handles at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we will make sure to get you the extra special surprise. The hoodies and fleeces are so sick. You guys voted on them, decided which ones we should roll with, and I absolutely love it. Check out the photos that we have on the site, shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hey, I'm Esther Ahn, and I'm head of UX at YouTube TV, which is a premium live TV streaming service where we offer over 70 channels and on-demand content that's available on your TV, on your mobile phone, and on your computer. And we're based in the Bay Area. One superpower probably is really leaning or being more confident and trusting my gut intuition on a lot of things. Because the projects that we were learning there, they were real life projects, right? Like we were, it wasn't just like school. We were, I remember doing a project for Microsoft and I get teamed with another designer and a person from HCI, Human Computer Interaction Department, and a person from the business school. And we all got mashed together and we were trying to develop a new like uh, social app for Microsoft, right? And it was like, what are we trying to build and what are we trying to do? And there would be a lot of debates and we would go back into the research. And ultimately it's like all the data and the qualitative research and the quantitative research, all that's going to point you in a certain direction. And ultimately there's also just your intuition as a designer on what you think is going to be right for who you're designing for and what you think will be a good experience. And that's kind of stemming from your own personal experiences. It's from all the things that you've sort of learned and experienced. I think I learned that I can leverage that, right? And bring that in. And that was a superpower that I didn't know about before, right? Because it was all about like, wait, what, what are the, what is the research saying? They really don't like this. So we should fix this, right? It was so correlated to that. 
So I think it was like, that is one data point. And then there's also just trusting in yourself as a designer and trusting in your intuition on what's right for crafting an amazing experience. If you could give yourself when you were just starting out at life, like right when you're about to start your career, maybe just graduating high school, possibly just graduating college, I'm not sure, whatever resonates more for you. Like uh, if you could give that person advice, what would that advice be? I think it's this notion of like stumbling or like, I'll give you an analogy. I took my daughter to see a play and it was based on this kid's book called Beautiful Oops. And the whole thing was about someone was trying to make an art project and they had this like specific way in which it should go. Like, I really needed to look like this and it should have these colors and it had these things and something got messed up and it was like a oh my God, right? Like everything's over. But then it was learning from that and figuring out what do you do with that to make something out of that? And that was where the beautiful oops came in. And like, I think as a young person growing up, it's like, we're so determined to like hit these things or like achieve some level, whatever that level is. And what I learned is that by fixating on that, it's like, you kind of miss all the like oopses along the way. And when you kind of like are able to embrace an oops and sort of just go with it, there's so many really incredible opportunities and learnings. So that's what I would say is like, it's okay. Fumble, fumble and go. It's good. Beautiful oops. I really like that. For you, now that you've been in your life looking at years past, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? I've been recently getting some lots of advice. There's so much advice. Like uh, advice or opinions. That's your advice oh, or opinion. Because oh, oh, the right? opinions are a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how do we how do we categorize when it's just your opinion and it's good advice? I have a whole philosophy behind opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. It's an interesting time, right? I mean, like just working from home and adapting to this new way of living and working. We're in like hustle mode, right? Like how do we function? How do we make sure we're continuing to do good work and being there for our teams and being productive and making sure your kids are learning and making sure I'm getting self-care and all sorts of stuff, right? And just like in this, like, like make it work. And someone told me like, this is a phase of reassessment. Like it's not about like when things will get back to normal and trying to adapt so that you can sort of make do until you get back to normal. This is an interesting time where like, unfortunately, it's because we're in, in the middle of a pandemic and there's lots of things going on. But it's a time for reassessment, which is like, what do you want to reassess and how you want to think about your career goals, what you want to do with your life? What do you want to focus on? I was mentioning I was going to do this podcast, right? And we started talking about that. And they're like, do you like doing podcasts? And I was like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I think so. Right. And she's like, well, you could even reassess. Do you want to spend some more time like telling your story to others and like focusing on that as opposed to just, you know, focusing on your specific projects. So this notion of like reassessing what is important to me and how I want to achieve that. And that might be very different from when we started, you know, three months ago. Hey, this is Kabira Stokes, CEO of Retriever. We are on-demand doorstep collection of your used clothing and electronics launching in the city of Philadelphia. We are so lo-fi over at Homeboy, for instance. I mean, that, that that's the world I'll talk about because that's what I, I've been immersed in for so long. 
again, I just really think it's about thinking holistically about the way that we use tech and the fact that, you know, just because something lives in the cloud, that doesn't mean it doesn't also live in hardware somewhere. And really trying to paint that picture of as we move forward in this post-COVID world and in trying to, you know, pass a new green deal and really be thinking about technology is so key right now, obviously. The fact that we can talk to people while we're quarantined and see people while we're quarantined and all the things that are happening. But there's another side to it that we all actually do have to think about, or maybe we don't all have to, but I'm down to think about it. And I want to, because as we move forward in this brave new world, shit has to be more aligned. That's thinking about what happens at the end of life. And it's thinking about what happens while we create these things. So I don't know much about blockchain and all that, but I, I had an interesting call with a company called Bitgreen yesterday. They're, they're the first, as far as I understand, blockchain currency that isn't taking the environmental toll that the rest do. And it's I'm just, yes, like these are the thinkers. This is what we need because the technologies are here. They're obviously not going anywhere, but we have to become all more aligned with how we, we flow with them. You know, what's so interesting and what you're saying is that you're so connected to your your why. You're so connected to your intention. For you, it's not about technology. It's not about clothing. It's not about the storefront. It's it's about what resources do I have within my access to deliver on this mission and to make sure that, not to sound cliche, that I'm making the world a better place. <laughs> like, like, you know, and it just seems like you utilize all the things offline, online technology, all the things as like your arsenal of resources to accomplish a specific goal. And your focus is the goal. Is that, am I hearing you right? I think that's right. And I think that's being a social entrepreneur. It's a triple bottom line, right? It's thinking about all the bottom lines. It's how does this affect the people in my community, in my world? How does it affect my environment? And how do we make money doing this? And I believe that that's the future of the economy, especially now. I don't see how there's any other way to do this. These are great questions to ask, especially as we, we're going to see supply chains start to melt down. We don't know what's going to happen between China and the U.S. Supply chains are going to have to become more local. And even if those are all robots doing the work, how do people play into this? And how does the environment play into this? We, we can't ignore these questions any longer. The thing about COVID to me is that this is such a huge event for our world and it's almost just like a primer for us. It's it's so intense and it's so global. But the next global challenge is climate change, which isn't even next. It's here right now. And yeah. I think one thing that COVID will give us is we're being prepped for that right now because how we deal with this will translate to how we deal with what's next. I think it's also just really telling and not to get into a whole conversation about climate change, because I know everybody wants to hear all the facets of what makes you you. But it is very interesting to see what's happened in a short period of time um, when we haven't been driving and we haven't been doing all these things yeah. and how fast yep. nature autocorrected itself. I mean, it's it's insane. So yeah, and I think that that is a conversation that many people should be having and something that if you know of a podcast or any YouTube video that is talking about that, I would love for you to like, let me know because I'm very interested because someone who doesn't know a lot about that, just being really upfront, like to me, I'm just like, 
if this can autocorrect so fast, like, like what else have we been damaging? Like, it's just, anyway, not, so to like revert it back, but to pull it back in just a little bit, I like to ask a question to everybody. I like to ask, what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it in your career? In 2015, right before we joined the LA Clean Tech Incubator, we were still a very small company and we had just moved into our own warehouse in Lincoln Heights near Chinatown, part of LA. And finally, it like hung our own shingle and we're so excited to have our warehouse. And we had a huge, massive warehouse fire. And I was driving to San Diego on my way to a wedding when my landlord called and said, where are you? Because the warehouse is on fire. It was an electrical fire. It wasn't our fault. And thank God no one was hurt except I think like one firefighter got something in his eye. But like for the most part, everyone was safe. Thank God. But my business burned down (laughs) and it was an incredible moment. It was 2013. So we'd been in business for about a year and a half. I mean, that was the most intense thing that had ever happened to me. There was this real moment of like, girl, if you want to walk away from this right now, like no one's going to judge you. Like, feel free to just step back and be like, well, we tried. And to come back to what you were saying before about the goal and the mission, I know that the reason I didn't was because I was like, no, I still want this company to exist. It's a company that doesn't exist and I want to see it exist in Los Angeles. All except for one, my whole team stayed with me. And that is also because of the mission. Also because we're a cool team. (laughs) I actually also had a guy, the fire was in May and he was supposed to start April 1st. And I had to call him and be like, uh, hi. So we had a fire and he literally was like, cool, like I'll help you rebuild. And he basically came to work for a burned down company and we rebuilt and we rebuilt and we grew the team and we kept going and we still exist. The thing about that is the mission. I don't know that you get that with just every company. Hi, this is Annie Burford from .LA. I am the director of events. .LA is a digital news and events company covering the vibrant startup ecosystem in Los Angeles. We are based in LA. So, you know, initially out of college, I'd hate when people ask a question, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because I really had no idea. And my dad brought me an article he cut out in the newspaper and it was like event planner. And, you know, this is 20 years ago when it was like, this is, you know, this is what you do. This is the salary. This is the parameters. And it's funny. I still have that clipping. When I moved to South Florida, I did a free internship for a company in Miami doing destination management. And I worked for a boutique agency in Palm Beach for six years, learning all facets of events from the sales to the operations, to the bookkeeping, to, you know, doing site visits with high-end clients, working at, you know, really prestigious hotels. And, you know, I moved out to LA and got a job working for a German agency. And, you know, my career has just kind of taken me on this path to tech. You know, I knew a friend that worked in an investment bank and they did a, you know, annual tech conference. And, you know, then that position really prepared me for this position at .LA. So, you know, it's been a general progression of, you know, events plus tech plus entertainment plus media, you know, in L.A., which is, you know, almost if you're going to be in L.A. and do events, it's going to be entertainment or going to be tech or it's going to be social, you know, and also it's kind of just 
you know, where my path has taken me. There's a lot of facets of event planning, but, you know, it's a special niche this to do tech conferences, which, you know, this is actually the Dial A Summit's my fourth tech conference that I've produced. I think you're right that LA really needed a voice to the city. And we had a a media publication a long time ago, and it was something that was missing from the vibrancy that's happening today. And the beauty of events and of a media company combined is that you get to celebrate the culture of a city. How do you express that culture in the events that you curate? I love Los Angeles. I mean, it's such a cultural hotbed here. And, you know, it's there's so many different neighborhoods that make up the city and each neighborhood has its own personality from Hollywood to downtown L.A. to Venice Beach. So I think a big part of L.A. is our diversity and it's the arts. And, you know, there's so many talented people here that want to create things And, you know, I just feel like L.A. is a place for dreamers where you can make anything happen. For example, on this conference, I have like, you know, just I set up an event portal that went live today and I have images on the front page. Congratulations. Thank you. you. I have images on the front page of just, you know, of black and whites of Los Angeles, of the cityscapes, of downtown, of the Hollywood sign, of the Venice Beach sign. And, you know, the last night I walked by the. Santa Monica, you know, where they had the, the Ferris wheel. And it's like all of these iconic images of LA. And, you know, people are really proud to be from LA and to live here. And I think that's something that definitely carries over to the events. And, you know, the Dot LA Summit, this event is focused on LA companies and Southern California companies. So the focus is is narrow here on all of, and there's so much going on here. It, it's, you know, it, it was almost, it was very difficult to program this conference because there were so many companies and speakers and, you know, subjects that we could have focused on. What's so interesting about having a geographic interest in this culture is that at least currently we are very much a global community. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity to give our global community an insight into what's going on in Los Angeles. How do you balance the two in having a summit that's focused on L.A. during this pandemic global culture? Like, what do you do as an event organizer to kind of bring harmony to those two worlds? Sure. So the most obvious one is that we're meeting virtually. We're not meeting in person. It's a whole new world. This is the first virtual summit I've done. So, you know, a question, it's like, how do you replicate what people do at a regular conference, you know, when you're meeting somebody getting coffee and you exchange business cards and grab a drink with somebody at the hotel bar, you know, it's like, there's so many of these intimate moments, you know, and it's also when you can see somebody face to face and interact and, you know, it's almost the relationship's a lot more meaningful. So it's like, how do you recreate that? So we've tried a few different things. We're embedding the conference in a portal where attendees can actually set up one-on-one meetings. They are going to be video meetings. Attendees can set up profiles. We have two networking events. You know, there's going to be the chat during all of the sessions. So we're doing our best, the best we can to replicate what you look for at a normal conference. Of course, there's some things that are impossible to replicate. We want to do our best to to have the look and the feel of, 
you know, being in a general session ballroom, going to the pre-function meeting space, you know, it's having those fun moments, you know, throughout of, of connecting with people. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Freeberg. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.